Okay, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It, it really is a privilege for Nishlin and I uh, to present the results for the six months ending uh, 30 September uh, 2022. Um, the results are written by uh, 8,500 of our colleagues across the world. We just have the pleasure to present them to you. And I really am I'm glad that uh, over the last four years or so, since the pandemic, we have seen continued execution on the strategy that we outlined over that period of time. The environment has been particularly difficult, a, a level of volatility in markets, a recovery from COVID, which has been interrupted, obviously, by where we are today. So as we start our results, we obviously do recognize that uh, we have a level of, uh, of volatility that continues to characterize the environment ahead and uh, goes into the outlook, the macroeconomic outlook that we use in looking at our results. As uh, Nuriel Rubini says, in the history of modern capitalism, crises are the norm and not the exception. And that is the mindset that we take as we move forward. And we look, obviously, to continue to execute with discipline, but also to take advantage of opportunities that do come out of uh, these environments that are disrupted. Just looking at the key takeouts of the results, as I said, over the last four years or so, or four reporting periods, we have seen COVID, and now we are in an, a macroeconomic environment that is highly disrupted. Over those four years, we now see that our earnings per share, just that earnings per share, are up 47%. That, we believe, is a fantastic achievement for the business over a disrupted period of time. We see also that the quality of our results continues to improve as we see recurring income increasing as our client franchises continue uh, to generate results uh, that are pleasing as we support our clients the way we do. We also see a strong generation of capital, as you see on the graph, that uh, our net asset value has continued to increase. And that generation of capital allows us, first and foremost, to continue to invest in growth, but importantly in this period, to also return a significant amount of capital to our shareholders. So the ability to support growth and to return capital to our shareholders are the twin tracks uh, that we are running on. As I said, we've made significant progress, and we are now at a point where we are returning to our shareholders. We are achieving returns to our shareholders that are within the targets that we said. Also, our cost-to-income ratio is where we said we would, we would like to be by 2024 uh, financial uh, year-end. So, pleasing results indeed. If we have a snap uh, look at the results, a 25.1% increase in adjusted earnings per share, a 24% increase in adjusted operating profit, driven largely by significant revenue growth of 19% that is supported by the diversified client franchises that we have, but also the focused approach that we have towards client service and client support, particularly in an environment that is uncertain and, and that has uh, a lot of risk attached to it. Our cost-to-income ratio came in at 60.5%, which is much lower than our FY24 target of uh, less than 63%. In this reporting period, 
Our costs were up about uh, 11.5%, and Nishlin will unpack that. But if you look at our costs relative to 2019, you will realize that costs have been up only about 3.9%. Those who follow Investec will know that there has been a step change in our costs in the UK bank, hence the cost discipline that we have exercised over the last four years or so uh, continue to support us. And as we go forward, we will continue to exercise that level of discipline. Our asset quality continues to be very good, and our exposures are supported by very good collateral. Uh, in this reporting period, our credit loss ratio came in at 15 basis points compared to the prior period of 7 basis points, and this is driven largely by the outlook in the microeconomy, particularly in the UK, where there is a significant level of deterioration. In fact, I'm glad I'm not Jeremy Hunt, uh, who at about this same time has to deliver in the UK uh, the autumn statement because uh, the, the fiscal numbers there are much more constrained. So that increase uh, to 15 basis points is still lower than a medium-term range of 25 to 35 basis points in terms of credit loss ratios. But going into this environment, we, we obviously expect that uh, you will see uh, some creeping towards our medium-term targets. Our return on equity, as I said, is at uh, 13% inside of our medium-term targets, and we really are pleased that we've been able to execute uh, as we have. The net asset value at 507 uh, seems to be uh, fairly stable, but what it hides is the fact that in the prior period, we distributed 15% of 91. So we see strong capital generation, as I've indicated. That allows us uh, to have a proposed dividend of 13.5p, uh, which equates to a payout ratio of 41%. And importantly for this set of results, the board has approved a share purchase program that totals 7 billion if we take into account the prior announcement that we have made. We have said to our shareholders that uh, we will uh, set to deal with the excess capital that we have on the South African balance sheet and we are now at a point where we can do so. If we move forward and look at our two core geographies, being uh, South Africa and the UK, um, we see a loan book growth in South Africa of 10.3%. Your books say 10.2%. Uh, 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 the number is 10.3%. I see that my team has uh, updated that number on, uh, uh, on our screen. So strong growth within an environment that is constrained because we need uh, certain fiscal and economic uh, structural reforms within the South African environment. So an annualized rate of 10.3% is particularly uh, pleasing uh, for us. We've seen very strong demand in particular on the corporate uh, client side uh, of, uh, of our business. Uh, clearly in this environment where there is a lot of uh, market volatility and economic uncertainty, we have seen funds under management down 3.7% to 20.1 billion. Uh, within the South African um, uh, wealth and investment business. Despite that, we still saw uh, net inflows of 2.1 billion rand in discretionary funds under management, a number that we obviously do uh, 
monitor quite carefully. Overall, if you look at the two businesses, uh, adjusted operating profit increased 21.1% to 230.6 million. Um, so we are pleased with uh, that level of uh, increase in profitability, but it also underlines the fact that we have a business model that has diversified revenues. This is a season where asset managers and wealth managers uh, have a lot of headwinds, but also a season at the same time where our banking businesses have a level of support from the rising global uh, interest rates. Our ROE for our South African business printed at 14.8%, and this is before we implement the, 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 the share purchase program that we talked about, the 7 billion, the total 7 billion uh, share purchase program. As we continue to uh, implement the program, we, we would obviously hope uh, to see a significant improvement in the return and equity of the South African business. Now turning to our UK business in, in, in Investec PLC, again a very robust growth in the loan book of 12.8% annualized. Driven, uh, as in the case of South Africa, by good corporate client uh, lending, but also uh, by a good traction in our private clients' business uh, with a lot of uh, growth in our mortgage book there. Remember, we serve very uh, high net worth clients within that business. So a good uh, level of growth in the loan book. As in the case of the South African business, funds under management uh, significantly down in this case by 9.4% to 38.8 billion pounds. Even in that environment, we saw over 440 million pounds of net uh, inflows and a talk ratio of around 2% uh, in this instance. Again, the diversification or the diversity of our income streams comes through and we saw adjusted operating profit up 28 274.4 million pounds. Of note is that the banking business in the UK increased profitability by 52.3%. So the traction that we have gained within the UK market continues and our niche um, uh, segments that we serve, we will continue to serve even as we go into a much tougher Environment Again, our ROE in, in the UK business uh, printed at 11.1% above our minimum uh, uh, target. And uh, in that market, we generally focus on return on tangible equity, and that came in at 12.6%. Overall, a very pleasing set of uh, results for both Investec Limited and Investec PLC. Just before I ask Nish to go into these numbers in greater detail, we always uh, look at our business not only as a business that serves shareholders, although shareholders are one of our most important stakeholders, we also want to make sure that we run our business in a sustainable, sustainable manner. And specifically with respect to the chosen uh, sustainable development goals, one being around climate change and the second being around reduction of inequality we have made significant progress. On the former, we have now a baseline in terms of our scope three uh, reporting in terms of climate change, and we have made uh, much more significant progress also with respect to signing up to a number of international 
conventions and treaties uh, where we will be reporting the progress we're making with respect to, to climate change. On inequality, we have made significant progress uh, as, as, as uh, detailed on the slides. We also measure our progress with respect to a reduction in harm. And this, in this case, we measure our exposure to coal as uh, an indicator of our commitment to reduce harm. But on the positive side, we also measure our progress with respect to positive investment making a positive contribution. So we've seen significant progress with respect to our support for social infrastructure on the African continent. We also have made significant progress with respect to uh, responsible investing on our wealth side. As you can see there, uh, there has been some inflows into our Invested Global Sustainable Equity Fund. So as we go forward, we will always measure our progress in terms of profitability for our shareholders. We will measure our support for our colleagues inside of Investec in this current period. Given the crisis in terms of cost of living in the UK, we were able to support our colleagues that end up to £50,000. In the prior period, we supported our colleagues within the South African environment, uh, given the performance that we reported uh, in the prior year. So we will continue to look after our colleagues, and we will continue to look out to create an environment where our colleagues can be the best that they are capable of being. Uh, so we look out for issues relating to diversity. We look out to a culture of uh, entrepreneurialism as we continue to support our clients. On a per capita basis, we continue to spend higher than our competitors because we believe that living in society and not of it is a principal tenant of who we are as investing. So pleased with uh, the result overall in terms of financial outcomes and non-financial outcomes. I'm going to ask Nishlin to go into the detail of uh, uh, the result in terms of uh, uh, financial uh, accounting and uh, all the complexity that we will be able to unpack as we go. Nish, over to you. You know how to operate this, right? Green and red. Green and red. Well, colleagues and uh, shareholders and, uh, you know, to, to all the parties out there, good morning to all of you. Thanks for sharing this time with us. Um, I think uh, these are really pleasing results to deliver to you. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll start off by setting the context uh, in terms of which we've operated in and then really get into the results. So really looking at the macro environments, I think both in South Africa and the UK, we have seen a good recovery or somewhat recovery post, uh, post-COVID, and then the realities of the environment has shifted in, uh, with the geopolitical tension, with the Ukraine-Russia um, uh, conflict that continues to go on, and constraints around uh, global commodities and, and, and supply chain constraints around the world, as well as localized political issues uh, that continue to play out. So while we're expecting there to be a, a sort of a positive economic growth in South Africa of around about 1.9% over the next uh, couple of years, that still remains relatively constrained. And from a UK perspective, I think it will be quite uh, brave to try and preempt some of the news that will break in the market today and that might influence that. But really, I think these are times that we've got to be prepared 
for the level of uncertainty that exists. Um, from a financial markets perspective, we've seen volatility and weakness, uh, particularly with the events that played out uh, at the end of September uh, within the political and uh, economic and fiscal policy uh, uh, profile in the, in the UK. And from a South African perspective, we continue to see some volatility in the exchange rate and somewhat weak uh, set of uh, uh, exchange rates, particularly as we close the year, the half year. Global interest rates obviously sharply decreased as we went into the COVID environment and we've seen a stepped increase and of late a much sharper uh, level of increase in interest rates as the, the various regulators have uh, uh, really instituted policies to try and deal uh, with uh, this concept of uh, inflation that continues to drag into uh, the influential layers. I think from a UK perspective, this slide really identifies some very key points, which is that with the key, uh, you know, with the sharp rise in interest rates, you can see that those interest rates weren't seen before, uh, you know, were last seen before the financial crisis. So these increases in, uh, in interest rates are really real and really sharp within that economy. Uh, we've seen that uh, recently um, inflation printed at about 11.1%. In the last quarter, so there is still work to be done to curtail inflation. So we do see the re interest rates continuing to increase, but at the same time, we're very conscious of the fact that there is economic weakness uh, that has to be dealt with once inflation is dealt with. So to that, that extent, we will anticipate seeing interest rates moderate as we move uh, forward in time. In a South African context, I think it's very important to note that these interest rates were pretty much seen. Um, just before uh, us entering into the COVID period back in March 20. So the, 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 the levels at which we are uh, at now, the, these markets have actually operated at just prior to the COVID period. Now, having contextualized those results, I think what's very pleasing is when we stood here back in March, we spoke about the post-recovery from COVID. We spoke about the momentum of that recovery. And what you see in today's results is really a continuation of that momentum, really building on the strength of the underlying uh, business franchises. And, you know, for example, looking at the base, base growth that we've seen in the UK bank and, and the influence that that has had on our net interest margin, as well as uh, the positioning of the balance sheets in both South Africa um, and, and the UK. So it's very pleasing to report and to, to present the, the, the sort of momentum that you see on this graph uh, now to September 2022. Splitting it out a little bit, um, from a South African perspective, overall contribution to the £405 million of operating profit that we've generated, which is a 24% increase. In South Africa, we saw an increase of 21% or 20% in, in RAND terms, a really positive contribution across the, 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 the businesses with the South African bank uh, reporting an increase of 16% in RAND terms and generating an ROE in this period of 15.1%. Uh, the wealth business in South Africa, again, uh, within the context of the environment, reporting a 7% increase in ZAR. Decrease in the contribution to, uh, to these results, and that will continue to phase out. Um, and, you know, really what we'll see going forward is the dividend yield uh, from our remaining 10% that uh, investment in 91 that's held 
uh, in, uh, on the UK balance sheet. In South Africa, we saw a, 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 a significant improvement in profitability from our other investments, particularly the IEP investment, which I'll give you some color on a little later. From a UK perspective, underlying growth in profitability of 29%, with the specialist bank up 52%, and we'll go through uh, detail around that as we unpack it. Um, the wealth business, as we've seen, around, you know, in, in that particular market, profitability dropping by uh, 8%, really driven by uh, lower and softer markets. Uh, the group investments portfolio is just the 91 investments, so that's a natural reduction uh, that we anticipated. I think, um, as uh, you know, Fani has highlighted, the ROE for the group at 13% uh, in, in this period is pretty much pre most of the capital actions uh, that we've noted. Now, if we look at some of the highlights from a, a divisional perspective, let's start off on, 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 the, on the UK. Uh, FUM for the wealth business in, uh, wealth business in the UK decreased to 38.8 billion pounds from pretty much record levels of 42.9 billion pounds last year. That's in the context of net growth of about 2.1% annualized in terms of uh, net inflows of 443 million pounds. And we've seen a natural consequence of these reductions leading to a reduction in operating profit of 7.9% to 40.3 million pounds. The wealth business in South Africa uh, yeah, we have seen the business continue to expand its global investment offering, providing access to a range of investment opportunities, and what that really means is a continued diversification. I think around about 60 to 65% of the underlying funds under management now manage on an international basis for the South African client base. Discretionary annuity inflows of $2.1 billion well offset by outflows as clients manage their portfolios and some of the share schemes that we manage also saw vestings uh, during the period and thus a net outflow of about six odd uh, billion pound, uh, rands um, on the non-discretionary portfolio. Adjusted operating profit up 7.6% in this context. The specialist bank in the UK, here again adjusted operating profit up by 52.3% and um, landing at about 128.6 million pounds contribution to the overall uh, group operating profit. And that's really underpinned by continued strong acquisition uh, of uh, clients, both in the private client and, and the corporate air business. We did see good fee generation, particularly in our private equity uh, platforms, as well as our project and infrastructure platforms. But to some degree, you also saw lighter revenues from our listed equities as some of the market activity uh, slowed in this particular environment. The Loanbrook grew by 12.8% on an annualized basis to 15.3 billion pounds. So we continue to see good momentum uh, through to September. We'll anticipate some of that momentum to land, to lighten up as interest rates uh, take effect, particularly on the mortgage lending book. But at the, you know, we're still quite an active business that has got access to quite a large market. So client acquisition will counter some of uh, that uh, pressure coming from a market perspective. The South African bank, uh, growing operating profit by 16.4% to you know, ahead of prior period uh, and, and printing a number of just over 4 billion rand of contribution to underlying profitability. Yeah, we did see increase in corporate uh, credit demand and uh, to some extent subdued growth on the uh, mortgage book, 
in, in this particular period, as well as other corporate uh, uh, property lending activity. The loan book, however, was up around about 10.2% annualized in the current period to 313.7 billion pounds. I think quite pleasing as we've reflected on the return on equity in both geographies now within uh, the set targeted ranges. I think it's very important to just note this particular uh, slide that we, we, we looked through, which is really to show the diversity of our revenue streams, the spread across the business, businesses. Uh, you know, years back we did have the contribution from, uh, from 91, but the wealth businesses uh, contribute around about 20% of the revenue and 13% of the profitability for the, uh, for the group. Uh, we have overall net annuity income of about 78% for the group, so whilst the specialist bank contributes about 79% of the profitability, that's not all capital intensive, so there are elements of advisory fees and so forth uh, within that platform, but strategically we'll always look to try and balance um, that particular uh, area, particularly focused on continuing to enhance capital light uh, revenue streams. Um, if we look at geographically, um, the UK generated 55% of uh, the overall revenue for the group and South Africa generated about 57% of the overall uh, profitability uh, for the group. Now getting into the divisions, um, from a uh, wealth and investment perspective, I think a very, very respectable um, set, uh, set of results in, in this period, notwithstanding uh, the, the choppiness of market and the fact that you have seen lower uh, brokerage generated from the fact that we've seen lower trading activity from uh, our clients, uh, you know, adjusted operating profit at 300.7 million rand, around about 2% up uh, in relation to the South African business. The operating margin uh, for the South African business at 31.4% uh, in this period, so we, we continue to see operating income and, and, and operating costs uh, growth in, 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 um, in these results. Net organic growth of about 2.2%, and we see that FUM was broadly flat at about 362.7 uh, uh, billion rand. You do see when you unpack the fund, uh, funds under management that we continue to see good growth in our underlying uh, discretionary fund, um, you know, increasing by 2.2 billion, but as I've noted, we've seen some decrease in the non-discretionary portfolio as clients manage uh, their specific portfolios. From a wealth and investment UK perspective, here we did see fund decrease by 9.4%, and that's, that's driven by markets. We continue to see net inflows of 443 million pounds, um, and to some extent, you know, uh, you know I think with growth of 2.1% in the, in the market that we are facing, um, still a, a fairly good performance from the underlying uh, uh, business. Here we've seen the operating margin decrease from 26% to 23.6%, and that's largely as a function of uh, lower um, uh, revenue in, uh, in the business in this particular period. Commission income was negatively impacted by market conditions, but we did also see an offset to the extent that there were net higher interest earned given higher interest rates. Now turning to the banks, uh, the specialist bank in South Africa, as I've highlighted, 10.3% growth in uh, core loans and advances, um, albeit that when we unpack it, you'll see that's largely in our, in our corporate lending activities, 
whereas we've seen subdued growth in our private client uh, uh, lending ex- extension. We've seen good growth in our deposit base and a continued uh, focus on growing the retail deposit base uh, in South Africa that will benefit net interest margin over time. The, the level of income, you continue to see good diversified levels of income, but strong growth in net interest income in the period of around about 14.3% supported by uh, higher interest rates. We've seen good growth in our underlying fee, uh, fee income uh, in the period, obviously subdued in certain areas because of activity levels. Um, and trading activity remained, uh, you know, client trading activity and therefore client flow income. Uh, positive in these sets of results. So notwithstanding the fact that operating costs increased by 14.6% in line with income in the period, uh, the cost-to-income ratio remained at about 49.7%. I think it's important to note that this business has maintained a compounded uh, annual growth rate of costs since September 19 of about 5.4%. The, the increase in costs that we've seen in, in, in the current period is driven by a post-recovery re, uh, of uh, some of the costs that were muted during the COVID period, but it's also driven by uh, increases in headcount as we've focused on uh, bolstering certain areas on very, very targeted growth initiatives uh, within the business itself. From a UK banking perspective, um, and this obviously represents our activity both in UK and within the European uh, environment with some activity outside of those geographies as well, including our project and infrastructure uh, uh, capability in in the US um, and some of our Indian operations. So the net core loans grew by 12.8% with mortgage loans growing by just under 16% annualized uh, in this period. And as I've indicated, you know, higher interest rates, we do anticipate moderation uh, within the mortgage lending book, offset by very much uh, the continued drive to client, uh, to grow clients and to expand uh, our base in that particular market. Deposits grew by 6.4% to 18.9 billion pounds. Again, looking from a revenue perspective here, we saw net interest income growing by 40.8%. And that's not just the higher interest rates, but it's really driven by the momentum that we saw in terms of growth of the book over the last few years uh, in that platform and therefore the business uh, benefiting from the net higher book um, that we have uh, developed. Um, And I think that non-interest revenue, you know, we did see higher uh, fee income come in from certain areas, but as I've indicated, there have also been negatives in terms of some of the areas, for example, uh, advisory uh, fees within the listed space uh, decreasing uh, in, this play, uh, in this period. Uh, trading activity and client flow income remain quite solid. And as you would have noted, I've not quoted anything to do with the financial products losses that we had prior, because notwithstanding the choppiness of this market, that book is now well hedged and significantly lower uh, than the levels that we had uh, previously. The cost-to-income ratio in this business improving from 72.8% to 61, 64.1%. Um, you would note that we targeted a, a cost-to-income ratio of less than 65%. With the strong growth in revenue, you've seen that, um, uh, that uh, cost-to-income ratio really come into uh, targets. Again, uh, you know, we note that we've seen significant increases in costs in this, in this period. A lot of that is intentional. A lot of that is driven 
by, um, by market conditions and inflationary pressures that, that exist. But again, if you look at over time, I think the compounded annual uh, growth rate over time has been below 2% for this business, particularly with the actions taken back in March 20 um, to uh, really challenge and right-size the cost base. Now, looking at group investments, um, here you would see that uh, our overall portfolio on balance sheet has reduced to about £656 million. Uh, we've distributed a large portion of 91, so that's the majority of the delta uh, year on year, and the remaining £169 million uh, carrying value is really represented by the 10% uh, that we hold off the UK balance sheet. We have a holding of 24% in Investec Property Fund. I think you saw resilient results reported from that platform um, yesterday, and, and, and uh, it continues to, you know, to some extent, there, there remains some discount to, to, to market, which we are sensitive to from a carrying value, but the underlying business is still a strong contributor and represents the group strongly. Um, IEP, um, we've seen a strong improvement in its profitability contribution, uh, to 282 million rand. Um, to some extent, you know, the carrying value of IEP at just under 6 billion rand, we've announced uh, that we've now uh, entered into an agreement, and in fact, uh, IEP and, and its major subsidiary, BUD, have announced um, that they will effectively facilitate an exit strategy for both Investec and other shareholders over a period of time, which we expect to take place uh, over the next uh, 24 months. Together with that, we've announced that IEP has actually realized one of its uh, uh, significant assets within the chemical cluster that represents about 26% of our, uh, our book value. So to some extent, that level of execution, which is unpacked in the results, you will continue to see uh, an overall realization of that asset. So this area, um, we will continue to see a reduction in capital allocated to our group investments, and with the growth in our franchise uh, platforms, both in, in South Africa and the UK, a continued increase in capital allocated to those businesses. So summarizing it, operating income, if we look at it by drivers, net interest income, significant contribution of, uh, to these results of a 32% increase. Fee income with positives and negatives playing around uh, in different areas, increasing by 2% in the period. Investment and trading income really uh, uh, sharp increases from uh, the prior period, and other operating income is really a function of the movement on fair value of some of the positions supporting our share, sch uh, share scheme positions. So that's really offsetting costs. Uh, the operating income mix, uh, again, remaining relatively healthy with uh, annuity income at about 78.2% uh, of the overall income base. Uh, the cost base, I think the most material line is personnel, um, and that's personnel both in the front and the back office. Uh, it's also personnel that includes uh, our, our IT uh, platforms and, um, uh, you know, that services the businesses and services the depth of the organization. So we've seen strong uh, increase in personnel costs in both South Africa and the UK, both running uh, above inflation in this, uh, in this period. Um, and some of the pressures that have come through from a, 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 an overall market perspective. And then the rest of the costs, again, reflecting the fact that we continue to invest in the business uh, and, to some extent, uh, levels of normalization that have uh, come through.
Funds under management, the key drivers, um, I'm not going to dwell on these numbers. We've been through them in quite a lot of detail and really summarizing the fact that we've seen core loans grow by 7.1% and customer deposits grow by 2.1% on an annualized uh, basis. And I think if you look at our uh, ratio of uh, customer de- deposits to core loans at 75.8%, that continues to remain quite healthy. Looking at our core loans in South Africa and just unpacking uh, the 10.3% annualized growth that we've seen, you'll see that that has been significantly rend- uh, led within the corporate and other lending uh, areas spread across uh, the various activities within that particular area. Lending collateralized by property and mortgages growing by 4 and 2% uh, in this period, so relatively lower levels of growth than we uh, would normally see in those areas. UK, um, you know, we, last year we saw significant growth in the mortgage book, and that's now quite relevant at just under, uh, well, uh, 4.5 billion pounds. Uh, and again, here we've seen growth across the portfolio, including mortgages and uh, corporate and, and other lending. Um, and, um, you know, I think we, we're quite pleased with the momentum uh, that we've continued to see in the business. Now, turning to expected credit loss. Um, I think at 15 basis points, you'll see that that uh, is, uh, you know, if you look at history, uh, still below where we, we would have normally operated at. Uh, I think we're quite clear in terms of our guidance to the market, which is in South Africa, we have a sort of uh, through the cycle uh, credit loss ratio guidance of 20 to 30 basis points. And you'll see that South Africa is pretty much at zero at this point in time. And from a UK perspective, uh, credit loss ratio guidance of 30 to 40 basis points, and we're about 32 basis points. Although the credit um, loss number, income statement charge, is very similar to what we had uh, back in 2019, the books are much larger, so we've seen a lower overall uh, credit loss ratio uh, as a, a, a ratio. Now, if we unpack that by, by geography, um, you know, from a South African perspective, um, we did release some of our model impairments uh, that we raised during the COVID period. We remain very vigilant around the economic outlook in South Africa, so we retain provisions on the balance sheet uh, with that outlook. We've released some of our um, model overlays, but a really small component, 30 million of 210 million was released, and we re- retained about 190 million of the, the provisions. Uh, particularly uh, around areas where we believe that there might be emerging uh, risk arising. The overall loss ratio in this period at, uh, you know, pretty flattish. Uh, there is experience loss within, within that number, but there are also recoveries uh, offsetting it and some of the release of impairments. From a UK perspective, uh, I think, you know, uh, again, we did see an, a deterioration in the economic environment, a rising uncertainty uh, in that market, um, and as that continues to unfold, we will remain defensive on a, on a, from a balance sheet perspective. So in this period, around about half of the provisions that have been raised have really been raised around increasing um, uh, model impairments of these uh, uh, deterioration in economic results, and we've seen one or two other uh, specific impairments incurred in the current period, none of which points to any specific trend to, uh, to highlight. Our balance sheet provisions and the level of coverage against uh, the various stages and just 
Stage one really represents the performing book. Stage two, where we have some concern, and stage three is the uh, the default book. And our coverage ratio, uh, you know, across all of those remains relatively um, strong, given the level of collateral that exists uh, on the book. Return on equity, and, and we're really getting to the home stretch. Uh, return on equity and uh, return on tangible equity. Uh, printing at 13% and 13.9%. Uh, again, quite strong uh, levels within uh, our businesses. Um, quite an equal split of the level of capital uh, allocated uh, uh, against the, the two businesses. There's a higher return on tangible equity as we have a higher goodwill uh, element allocated to our wealth business in the UK um, and a 12.6% ROTE uh, uh, for the uh, PLC business. I think over this period, capital has remained robust, um, and you know uh, the CET1 ratio at uh, PLC level at 11.1%, again, is measured on a standardized basis. The CET1 ratio in South Africa at 14.1% is measured on a partial ARB basis. We are, we believe we're on the final stages. We've uh, completed a parallel run process with the regulator, and we anticipate over the next while uh, to be able to complete that migration to ARB. Um, and on an equivalent, equivalent, uh, equivalent basis, that ratio is around about 16% uh, relative to the rest of uh, the South African market. Uh, we've continued to ma- maintain strong levels of cash and near cash. To some extent, we'll continue to manage that down um, as the environment improves but we'll, um, and book grows. As the group's indicated, uh, you know, we remain committed to our medium-term targets. Uh, You can see where we are. Um, I think, obviously, over time, uh, you know, cost of equity and cost of capital will probably reprice in a higher uh, interest rate environment. So we'll continue to look at these targets as we move forward in time. But I think there's a lot of uncertainty as we um, sit in the system right now. The dividend payout ratio at 41%, uh, again, we will, uh, you know, operate at that high end um, of our payout ratio. So I think as we look forward from a financial outlook perspective, um, you know, I think there's no uh, denying that we are in an environment that has been very similar to what we've seen over the last while, where where we are influenced by the level of uncertainty in the markets. Uh, We are very conscious of particular weaknesses that, that exist. We're conscious of the environment that we are operating in the UK, but taking all of this into account, I think we remain fairly positively poised to both support our clients and to engage uh, in very specific uh, growth initiatives across the platforms uh, that we operate in. Um, I think there's a level of discipline uh, in, in the way we manage the business, um, and that discipline will continue to apply, and we continue to expect to see a high level of asset quality uh, even though we are guiding towards a higher level of uh, expected impairments as we look forward. The level of capital that we uh, deploying in terms of a buyback program, and that's really underpinned by the fact that we continue to see value in, in, in the stock itself. Um, you know, to extent that is largely driven by capital generation, um, and we'll continue to see a level of capital generation which will support uh, this interaction with shareholders and uh, really expecting our cost-to-income ratio to remain in that targeted range. Now, I'm going to hand over to Fani to wrap it up for us. Thank you, Nish. Um, That was a lot of unpacking. Um, 
I hope what you saw is uh, a business that is uh, simpler to understand, no surprises in what uh, we presented, a set of outcomes that we had talked about about four years ago. Uh, as one of our shareholders says, um, the story is a bit uh, easy to understand, so, somehow a bit boring, but in these types of times, boring is good. So thank you, Nishlin. There is a lot of unpacking, um, as it were. So over the last few years, the idea was to simplify the business, and uh, we have uh, executed largely on that promise of simplifying the business. Uh, as you know, uh, we distributed uh, 70% of uh, 91, equivalent to about 32 billion rand in South African terms, larger than a pick and pay, by the way. Uh, if you think about the return of capital to our shareholders. And we have announced in these results that we will be returning a total of 7 billion to our shareholders over the last, over the next uh, 18 months or so. So the process of simplification has borne fruit and we continue, as I say, uh, to return capital to our shareholders. The next stage of what we were doing over the last four years is really focused particularly sharply on a set of clients that we choose to serve and make sure that we serve those clients exceptionally and we are very competitive in terms of both the service and the offering uh, that we provided. Um, as you know, we, went, um, we, we exited a number of businesses and geographies and we are competitive where we choose to play. As we go forward... I know the environment is very difficult, but we have a number of identified opportunities for growth that we will be executing on. Uh, so our, our story, uh, as, as simple as it is, is also quite interesting, uh, by the way. So just looking at uh, the last uh, four years or so, uh, and I don't want to go through what Nishlin went through, the detail was, uh, was quite a lot you can see that uh, the growth in profitability has been particularly impressive. As I said, 47% uh, uh, between September 19 and now in terms of adjusted uh, earnings per share. You can also see that there has been an impressive generation of capital which allows us to return capital back to our shareholders. You also can see that we have been reducing the weighted number of uh, outstanding shares. And this program that we have announced will obviously accelerate uh, that uh, reduction uh, in, our, in our awareness. We talked about costs and that over the last four reporting periods, our costs in general are up only 3.9%. That discipline around uh, costs will continue as we go forward. And it is no surprise that our ROE and our cost-to-income ratios are now within the targets that we had set for ourselves. So a four-year period of good delivery, but as Nishlin says, the discipline in execution has to continue. If we look slightly ahead, um, starting on the right-hand side of that uh, pictorial, we talk about continued optimization of returns as a mantra. That continuous optimization of returns is underpinned by three specific uh, considerations. The one is allocation of capital. 
we will put our capital to use only in those areas where we think we can make a competitive return by serving clients in an exceptional and, and unique way. Where we cannot compete, we will exit and uh, redeploy the capital in our people elsewhere. So discipline around allocation of capital continues. The second area is discipline around costs and making sure that we are as efficient as we can be. As you saw, our cost to income ratio is now at 60.5%. The third area, which we don't talk as much about, is that we have discipline around risk. If you look at the last four years or so, risk events have been few and they have been proportionate to the size of our balance sheet and the size of our business. So continued risk discipline. Uh, those three uh, uh, propositions I've mentioned uh, will underpin a continued optimization of returns. And if I go to the left of this pictorial, as we move forward, we are going to deepen the level of service that we give to, to, uh, to our clients, and we are now building ecosystems between bank and wealth in the south and in the north, and also between north and south as we serve our clients much more holistically, and we are seeing some fantastic outcomes out of this. As an example, a high net worth private client's proposition is extremely competitive uh, as we go forward. We are seeking opportunities, for instance, in building out a global wealth proposition on the back of the, uh, the successes that we have made. We are also deepening our experience uh, in terms of how we serve the mid-market corporate client base in South Africa and in the UK. So there are vectors of growth where if we serve our clients by bringing the best of Investec, irrespective of bank or wealth, north or south, we can deliver a much enriched experience, much better outcomes. And in fact, as we do so, we can also operate much more efficiently. So operating platforms that are across our businesses and optimized would be the consequence of our focus on connected land ecosystems across business and geographies. There are a number of growth opportunities and initiatives we have identified, and we're going to accelerate our ability to scale and bring these to market. As an example, we have for some time been uh, offering uh, some investment products to the lower end of our private clients' market. There's a lot more focus to scale uh, uh, that uh, uh, opportunity for growth. We have, as an example, Investec Life that we've had for the last few years, we are now accelerating our execution around a number of these. As I said, we are also uh, concentrating on the meat market. We have, as an example, in South Africa, what we call Investec for your business, and the level of interaction with our clients is increasing, and as a consequence also, the profitability that we think uh, we can get out of it. So optimizing returns as we go forward, building connected ecosystems that offer propositions that are much more relevant and delivering those in an excellent manner, but at a cost uh, that makes sense uh, for our business. And internally, we will improve the cultural identity and DNA of investing, entrepreneurial, high client service, high levels of ownership, and really being exceptional in how we deliver uh, in supporting our clients. We will continue digitization and our spending as we go forward. 
will be directed towards the future as opposed to simply business as usual. And we will, uh, more than we ever have done at Investec, we are now looking to use data uh, to empower decision making. We will always uh, be entrepreneurial, but we will support a lot more of what we do through the strategic uh, use of data. So the future as we see it, despite a challenging macro environment, is really exciting for the people of Investec, and we look forward to engaging with that challenge. So as, as we close, in the areas we choose to operate, we have a very rich heritage, private banking, wealth and investment management, corporate banking, investment banking, and so on and so forth. We have deep specializations, and we are bringing these specializations together through connected ecosystems. And as I said earlier on, we will deliver the best returns we can for our, uh, for our shareholders, but we will also be a corporate citizen where we play that is responsible. We will support our colleagues. We will support the communities in which we play and we, uh, in which we operate. And we will also make sure we do so responsibly with respect to leaving a planet for the next generations uh, that is not uh, destroyed. Our client franchises have scale. They have relevance in our chosen market and they are resilient. As we go into this new environment of uncertainty, resilience of client bases is really particularly important. We went into COVID and went out fairly quickly because our, client, uh, our clients are very resilient. So going forward into this market, we do believe that uh, the resilience of our clients will stand us in good stead. We will continue to deal with the strong level of capital generation. It is a, a particular feature of our business, and we will use that capital to support growth, but also to return the access to our shareholders. And as Nishlin said, we have uh, a set of uh, mid-term targets that we are firmly committed to. We are excited about the challenge that lies ahead. On that note, I'm going to open the stage for questions. Thank you, Nishlin, for going through the, uh, the big detail. Now we can go into questions. Um, we shall start in London, I think. Ruth, are you there? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Any questions from the room? Hi, Thani. Hi, Nishlan. Um, Hi. Three questions for me. So, firstly, on, um, on credit quality, can you talk a little bit more as what you're seeing in the UK and South Africa? Um, and sort of talk about why you're kind of keeping that 25 to 35% um, so basis point uh, guidance. Uh, sort of secondly, on the buyback, could you talk about why you selected the size of buyback you did this time um, and how much more excess capital there might be in the business to release going forwards? And then sort of thirdly, could I just ask if any change uh, to guidance on sensitivity of net interest income uh, to base rates? Thanks. Sorry, what was the last question? I didn't get that. So I just wonder if there's any change in guidance um, okay. on interesting income sensitivity base rates. Okay, great. Let me take the question on, on buybacks, and then I'll ask Nishlin to deal with sensitivity. Um, on buybacks, we've indicated that uh, we have a, a level of excess capital in South Africa. If you look at uh, where we are marking ourselves, around 16% on an ARB uh, perspective, once we have approval, 
And if you look in this market, competitors would be uh, between 12 and 13 or so. So if you mock uh, your uh, steady state level of uh, capital at about uh, between 12 and, and, and 13 percent, you very quickly can quantify uh, the level of excess capital that we have indicated we would be returning uh, to our shareholders. Uh, so, so, so that's how we think about it. But also there is a strong level of capital generation uh, uh, as, as we uh, continue forward. I mean, we've indicated as an example 32.9 uh, P of uh, adjusted operating earnings. Uh, we've uh, indicated a, a, a dividend uh, declaration of 13.5%. So we do uh, generate capital. And obviously some of that capital we put into, into growth. Nish? Yeah, I think if I deal with the question around uh, credit impairments, uh, you know, again, getting back to the guidance, I think what's very important to note is that we did have higher peaks, uh, particularly off the uh, uh, global financial crisis. Uh, We saw a higher peak uh, during COVID. Uh, We we therefore don't anticipate to see the same sort of uh, environment uh, as we look forward. But what's very important for us is that we reshape the books over a long period of time in both South Africa and the UK. And as Farley has spoken about this, spoken about this concept of effectively managing risk uh, to a tolerable le- level that has been embedded into, uh, into the books. So we are a business that focuses on a high level of collateralized lending. Uh, we don't have uh, any uh, significant uh, uncollateralized positions within our private client uh, space, so there isn't a, a significant credit card book. We continue to see high levels of prepayment in our, in our mortgage books, um, and that really informs uh, our, our, our view. I think if you look at the uh, interest rate outlook, the guidance that we've provided is 10 to 15 million pounds for every 25 basis point uh, increase uh, in, in the UK. Uh, we probably guide to the higher level initially, uh, and from a South African perspective, between 80 and 100 million rand. Uh, for every 25 basis points. So that guidance is relatively consistent uh, with what was provided before. Ruth, any more questions? No further questions from London. Thank you, London. Let's start over here, sorry. Any questions from the room here in Johannesburg? Hope you like the dividend, though. Thank you. Mr. Titi, it states on page 37, uh-huh. financial outlook, yeah. that it is expected that the CLR will normalize in the range of 25 to 35 basis points. Now, I'm having difficulty with the use of the word normalize, uh-huh. because I'll now look at page 30, which incidentally is not numbered in the booklet, but it's page 30, where the credit-loss ratio for the last three years is given, and I cannot see anything approaching 25 to 35 basis points as normal. Look, we manage through uh, cycles. We talk of uh, through the cycle. Sorry, Nish, you wanted to take that. Uh, No, I actually take the challenge on the use of the word normal, because that probably doesn't exist anymore. Um, so I think we have to be conscious of the environment we're in, but I, I go back to the point, which is having analyzed our books, having understood the position, having understood uh, the, the level of risk in our books, this is the best guidance we can provide. Um, if, if there are 
consequences that we can't foresee that drives up impairments because of some sudden event in the market, you will see the levels of impairments that you saw through the COVID period, and that's some of the history um, that you are looking at on, on, on that particular page. So I think when you look through time, uh, this is the best guidance that uh, we can give to the market. If I may take that question further, please. The current year, the credit loss ratio for the first half was seven basis points. In the second half, it was one. Now, there's nothing wrong with being conservative about the future. But to go from one, which you experienced actually in the second half of 2022, to go as much as high as 25, seems that you're being overly conservative. Well, that, 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 that's an interpretation. And, uh, you know, again, I'll take the interpretation, but we're going to have to move forward in time. Uh, to fully answer that question. I think the point in South Africa is there's two factors. So if I split it by geography, uh, and remember the 20, 25 to 35 is a combined guidance for the two geographies. So South Africa with uh, pretty much a zero loss, if you have three components, there's actually experience loss in that book. Um, there's a release of some of the historical model impairments that we've raised. And there's also recoveries that are still higher than the normal rate that we experience. So we are a business of risk and we'll anticipate to see impairments come through, particularly as you see sharper and, and higher interest rates apply. From a UK perspective, we reported a 32 basis point uh, credit loss, and that's pretty much in the range uh, of the guidance of 30 to 40 basis points. You know, there we've got a different book, a different mix. So, for example, we've got a higher level of uh, asset finance activity in the UK, and therefore we will guide to a higher uh, credit loss ratio. But what it would be, um, I, I think it will take a brave man uh, person to point to that uh, over the next while, uh, because there's a lot to unpack with regard to the uncertainty that sits in front of us. Thank you. Any further question, Inessa? I thought you were going to talk about uh, uh, the dividend, really, but I'm disappointed. Good morning, Fani, and thank you for the presentation. Just two questions from me. Um, Do you mind just picking up a little bit? We want the mics to pick you up on the other side as well. Can you hear me now? Yeah, oh, we can we hear you now. Um, two questions from my side. I'm sure you'll say no good deed goes unpunished, but now that your RAE is within the target range, how do you think about that, or where should we think about it over the medium term, close to the bottom or the top end, given that capital allocation um, decisions and given that you are still have your growth initiatives, where, where would you like us to think about that over the medium term? I think that's the first question. Yeah. And then the second question is on your structured products book that hasn't had significant um, negative uh, impacts this year. Is it that you've hedged the book and therefore on this particular book you don't expect anything further but you still carry on doing that kind of business? Or has that kind of business been significantly scaled down from where you were in 2019? Thank okay, you. let me, let me uh, start. With respect to returns, we had indicated a through the cycle uh, return range of uh, 12 to 16% for the group. We have now gone into uh, that range. Um, and obviously from a, a management perspective, you will hope that through the cycle you will be... Uh, middle or upper uh, end of that range on a through-the-cycle basis. Um, 
what we do, remember that we said we want to generate returns that are in excess of, of our cost of equity. That is the uh, overriding principle. So as this environment develops, there will be levels of revision of what the cost of equity will be. But until that time uh, that we, we revise our thinking around that, we continue to uh, strive for the 12 to 16 and hopefully we can go to the middle of that range. And when you look at uh, the cycle, we would hope that we can be uh, middle to, to upper end of that cycle. But given movements in, in cost of equity, uh, as, as we go forward, we will look at that. So that's on the first question. On the structured uh, deposit book, remember that we were very specific that we were looking at capital at risk. Uh, the capital at risk book. Uh, at the moment, uh, that the size of the remaining book is less than 20% of its original size. So we continue to uh, to run that down, and it has been totally insignificant with respect to uh, to our results this time around. As a consequence of two specific things, uh, three. Uh, first, uh, the, the, the book size is much lower. Second, uh, we had taken certain uh, hedging decisions around that. And third, the management of ongoing risk has been uh, very good. So we, we uh, do not expect that to be a big factor as we go forward. Any further question? Okay, I think we'll go to the chorus call. Kanesh, you want to get closer here? Why? We have to bet together. Thank you, sir. Just a reminder for the participants on the phone lines, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star and then one. The first question comes from Harry Bertha from Anchor Stockbrokers. Please proceed with your question, Harry. Harry, you may proceed with your question. If your line is muted, please unmute your phone so that we can hear your question. Unfortunately, we can't hear anything from Harry's line. The next question comes from James Stark from R&B Morgan Stanley. Please proceed with your question, James. Hi, good morning, Fani and Nishan. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, a two-part question from my side um, regarding the private bank in South Africa. I mean, it's really on, on competitive intensity. And how are you finding the landscape at the moment? I mean, which aspects of the business are you seeing that intensity manifested? I mean, if you could touch on things like asset pricing, liability pricing, um, and, and even risk appetite. Um, and then secondly, uh, you recently refreshed your rewards program. If you can give some color on how your clients are responding to these changes and how engagement levels and cross-sell are trending relative to your expectations from these changes. Thank you. So here's the second question. Yeah, the okay. rewards program. The rewards program. Okay, you go. Okay, as, uh, By the way, I saw, I saw um, Kumesh, the head of a private bank, walk out earlier. <laughs> yeah, exactly, I was looking for Kumesh. You ought to have uh, been around to hear this question. But, uh, you know, I think we've got a, a business that's obviously operating in South Africa for a, a, a long period of time. I think competition in South Africa is strong. Um, and I think that, that often the, the boundaries in terms of the competitive landscape will continue to change. I think the consistency from an investor perspective is the depth of service that we offer the, offer the client. Um, the fact that we, we, we are a very, very high-touch business, really supported by high-tech. So we'll continue to keep those elements moving in, in deep parallel uh, status 
um, and continue to, to, you know, to expand our business. Now, what we've particularly done, I think, Rich has laid the challenge to the business to actually double its client base uh, over the next three, four, five years. And, and, and that challenge is on the basis is that we've been highly conservative in the manner in which we've acquired clients. We believe that the world out there has moved on. We believe that we don't have to really shift uh, the, risk, uh, the risk curve too much and that we can further penetrate uh, into this market, really underpinned by what Investec represents uh, in the market. When it comes to our rewards program, our, our approach is simplicity. Uh, there's no ifs and buts and when and how and timing and the rest of it. It's really about if you interact with the business and we've expanded the platforms around where we measure that, in, that interaction and we'll continue to expand uh, around that. But at the end of the day, as a client, you know what you're receiving and you have optionality in terms of how to uh, deploy that, that reward. So at the crux of the program was continuous uh, simplification uh, and enhancement uh, to the underlying program. Now, I think you use a key word, which is recently introduced, so it's very hard to answer uh, your, your, your second component with a short period of time that it, uh, those changes are in play. Thanks, Nishlin. Um, yeah, I like uh, your answer on this reward. Simple to understand and simple to cash out and benefit from, because there are rewards programs that are around town that are very complex and, and they don't offer the same value. In fact, uh, I, I said to AB, uh, our, our global head of, of marketing, we're going to be able to communicate our proposition in simpler terms uh, so that people can understand the value uh, that resides uh, in our propositions. Uh, so good, good done, Sanish. Um, another question from the uh, from Chorus. At this time, there are no further questions on the phone line, sir. Thank you. The last area to go to will be um, the ones that have been emailed. Um, Tash? Fani, before we go there, I think yeah. one other question is just the distinction of the offering in the South African market from a private client perspective. Yeah. If you look at the fact that this bank has the ability to offer you an international service uh, in a manner that is fully integrated, and the integration between uh, managing your need for capital and managing the capital that you've created through our, uh, our wealth platforms as well, and that level of integration that sits around the client. So apologies. Sir. Just yeah, one of the that. questions that didn't come up uh, would have been on grey listing. The fact that we have an integrated uh, uh, offering of both South Africa and UK uh, private banking and wealth means that if, uh, God forbid, we do get grey listed, uh, clients here in South Africa will uh, be negatively impacted. But given the fact that we are an integrated um, uh, and a lot more joined up proposition, we will be able to help our clients much easier than um, uh, anyone else uh, would be able to, purely because we we know the clients here. We have uh, been doing a lot of work to make sure that uh, the enhanced due diligence uh, that would be required if we're grey listed for clients to uh, uh, to be served elsewhere, that that process will be simplified. And that's why when you look at um, our private banking and our wealth proposition, uh, firstly, we are at the top end. The best there is, we are moving to address uh, at um, uh, the, the um, lower end of it, much more aggressively as, uh, as we spoke on my investment, Investic Life, 
uh, proposition uh, around mortgages. So we're going to be extremely competitive and we offer this international uh, linkage that becomes even more important uh, if you have grey listing. Sorry, Nestle, now you've, you've got me to talk about something else. Let's take the next question. Let, let's go to questions. Um, finally, we've got quite a few questions. So I know that it's like 12, 13 at the moment, and I know you have some media Okay, I'll leave calls. them to Nishil in there. <laughs> I can go a bit long. How many questions would you like to take? Uh, I think there will be themes. Are you able to give us one or two okay, themes, cool. and then we can take the questions based okay. on themes? All right. We're going to go to Donato Zimbanda. Uh, what can you say would be the optimum level of interest rates for the net interest income, meaning the highest rate beyond which the loan growth may start to reverse backwards, both SA and the UK? Well, again, it's, it's not necessarily an easy question to answer. I think what we can say is the following, is given the, 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 the area of the market that we operate in, we anticipate that our clients remain relatively resilient uh, to higher interest rates. And again, I'll reiterate that uh, from a South African context perspective, those higher interest rates weren't too far uh, back. So we see that South Africa is probably reaching a point of normalized, well, I wouldn't use the word normalized, but rates that it is used to, uh, uh, to, to operating in some of that uh, benefit of lower rates through the COVID environment is now pretty much out of the system. We're still about 25 basis points below where we were uh, back in, uh, in, uh, uh, in March 20, and maybe that increases by a, a percent or two over time, but I would still see it consolidating given the weakness uh, in, in the general market. Uh, from a UK perspective, we've seen rates increase to around about three, uh, three odd percent uh, over this period. There's probably more momentum. We, we see that uh, growing to around about 4.75 or 5 percent. We'll, we'll listen to the news over the next few days to understand if that outlook changes. Um, but again, we see that the, you know, the main impact right now is inflation and that's the, the objective. And immediately after that is, is to get back onto the uh, economic uh, uh, outlook and, and, and forward. We think our clients will remain resilient in, in those sort of rate ranges in both South Africa uh, and the UK, but at the same time, uh, we're very cautious that, uh, um, and that's the reason for us providing a higher uh, uh, impairment outlook. We're going to do one more question. That's from Miles Bree. Excellent improvement in the cost-to-income ratio from 64% to 60%. What ratio is invested targeting in the short to medium term? And why is the current cost-to-income ratio materially higher in the PLC than limited? Yeah, to answer that question, we've indicated that uh, medium-term target with respect to cost-to-income for the group is uh, below 63 um, so we've printed 60 and a half and we will continue to work, uh, as I said, to uh, improve our cost discipline. Um, with respect to the two geographies, firstly, the UK geography is a higher cost uh, geography. Second, the composition between uh, bank and wealth is different. We have uh, uh, a much uh, uh, larger composition, uh, relatively speaking, with respect to, uh, to the UK from wealth, and as I said, uh, that is a higher cost uh, jurisdiction. So generally, your cost-to-income ratio will be dependent on mix and on geography in terms of the, 
the level of cost. So we would expect as you go forward uh, that uh, you have a differential in terms of cost to income ratios. Internally, we obviously do manage uh, our, ex- our expectations around uh, cost to income ratios per business, per geography. But for purposes of uh, reporting to the market, we now really just focus on three. The group one, the PLC, and the limited, uh, because we think that's easier uh, from a market perspective. I think uh, that takes us to the end of the day, or something burning, okay? One more question. From Sorry, Nathan. <laughs> Chris Stewart, 91. It appears you announced a buyback is based on existing capital surplus, <laughs> post-advance um, ARB, given improved organic capital generation to support risk-weighted assets growth, what are your plans for the capital generated by the disposal of the IEP assets? I knew that's coming, Nishlin, so that's the last question. It came in rather late. You go. I thought you were taking it. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day we've announced a number. Um, That number takes into consideration what we're comfortable with um, at uh, given our, our outlook over the next uh, short while, um, we, we've indicated the fact that the business remains highly capital generative um, and any considerations as we move forward in time we will consider. I think it's important to separate the cash value of a release of an asset to its capital requirement, so I wouldn't overemphasize uh, the capital released uh, on the realization of some of those investments. Yeah, just in closing then, I would like to thank my colleagues uh, for delivering this uh, excellent set of results. It's been a long journey over the last four years or so. I also would like to just thank our shareholders. When we came with uh, this strategy uh, for sim- simplifying the business, focusing and growing it, there was a level of risk around it and there was a level of uh, lack of conviction, but uh, a a number of our large shareholders supported us, and as we go forward, the environment is quite choppy, Uh, and as I said, uh, we are comforted by the fact that we have a resilient client base, well capitalized, both in terms of uh, well, a strong balance sheet in terms of capital and liquidity, and we um, have a culture that allows us to continue to support clients during uh, this period. Uh, Thank you very much for your attendance. We will see you in another six months or so. Thank you.